And I, we've been talking about bettering ourselves and our mindset. Last week we talked about it begins with desire. That was the number one point. There's no substitute for it, and you have to want it. So I'm just reviewing some of what we did last week. Secondly, we talked, there's always going to be something to try to hold you back if you let it. How many knows the enemy wants you to stop whatever God wants you to do? So he, as soon as he figures that out, he's going to put speed bumps in your path, so to speak, or things that are just going to be like, oh, you don't want to do that, but you have to persevere. You're going to have to understand he's not going to roll over and let you take the city or let you do the things that God has called you to do if he can stop it. Third thing is desire plus passion equals power. And passion is going to take you places that you couldn't go before. Kind of almost a William Shatner where no man has gone before. You know, the Star Trek type thing. It's going to help you. If you have that desire and you put passion with it, there's power that comes past that. And so what gets you up anymore? What fires you? What are you like, man, I want to see this happen. I want this to happen. I want to do something finally. I want to get where God wants me to be. I'm tired of going around this mountain. So start figuring out what's your passion. And number four, you're contagious. And we talked about faith can move mountains and fear can create some. So we need faith to move those things out of the way. And I'll talk a little bit more about that today as far as what is in your way. And uh, what, you know, some of us are just going, Brett, I don't even know what direction to go. I mean, I'm just like, ah, okay. And I'm going to help you with that today. And we got to just understand we're contagious in a good way. If you're going to take the desire that God put in there, put some passion with it, you can do the things that God has called you to do. Beloved, listen to me. He wouldn't tell you to do it if he wouldn't equip you to do it. He's going to make a way, even if there seems to be no way. So I want you to check this out. According to The Economist, November 20th, 2003, the game Monopoly. Anybody ever? Okay, how many love to play that game with your kids? Yes, yeah, some of you are going, yes. If you're me, no. That is the longest game in the entire world. But anyway, listen to this. It was not actually invented by George Parker, co-founder of Parker Brothers, when he played the trial version submitted by the actual inventor, Charles Darrow. Parker thought the game was too complicated. He thought it was too technical, and it took far too long to play. Thank you very much. Parker sent a rejection letter to Darrow in 1934, citing 52 fundamental errors with the game. But a few months later, he was forced to eat what he wrote. He bought the game from Darrow after Darrow had spent a year demonstrating the game's potential by selling many copies of it by himself. Within two years, two million copies of Monopoly had been sold, and Parker humbly displayed his scornful letter as a lesson in humility. This is what I want you to, to listen to. All great things begin in humble ways. All grand things start as small ideas. The things you regard as wonderful and the achievements you regard as landmarks were nothing more at one time than a tiny seed in the heart of a visionary individual. At one time, nobody believed in those things or saw their potential except the one who gave them birth. If you don't believe in yourself and your ideas, nobody else ever will. If you don't push your dreams forward, nobody else can. Persistence is basically the ability to believe in yourself and your goals when nobody else is capable of buying into them. Every noble achievement, every grand creation was once nothing more than a tiny dream embraced by a, one lonely soul. But if your idea is strong enough and your heart is causes you to stick with it you'll eventually become and it will become significant to others the very thing that you're possibly using as a crutch or an excuse how many have ever come up besides me i'm not doing that oh it's raining today we're not going to go today you know what just the other day we were going to have some fun and i told kim i don't know if i want to go it might rain today 
Okay, well, it might be uh, the, the sun might come out, too. You know, I mean, how many knows the weathermen aren't always right? We went anyway, and guess what? It rained four times. <laughs> and what we normally would have just been, ah, oh, we ended up getting soaked, and still we're like, we had a great time. Again, mindset. I want to better my mindset. I want to start saying, God, I want to love life. I want to live it to the fullest. So I'm going to start off with point number five. We went through the first four. Here's number five for bettering ourselves and our mindset. Turn your liabilities into assets. Turn your liabilities into assets. Brett, what do you mean? How many grew up with this song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up. You all didn't go to VBS, did you? Bunch of heathens, I told you, never went. <laughs> I mean, we grew up learning the song about Zacchaeus. Now, check this out. Luke 19, 5. Jesus came to the place. He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus sees him, comes over to Zacchaeus and says, I'm coming to your place today. I'm going to stay with you today. Come down here. Now, I want you to listen to why I said what I just said, why we read the scripture. It happened because of Zacchaeus's height, not in spite of his liability. See, some of you are telling yourself, I can't do that. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good singer. I'm not this. I'm not that. This happened because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was short. So this is what he says. I can't see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I'm going to find me a tree. Now, my, my daughter, I remember when, how many go to the popcorn festival? How many like festival food? How many don't want to admit it? <laughs> and I, love, I love me some festival food. But you ever wonder what it's like for like a little one or two-year-old? We would take her to the popcorn festival in an umbrella stroller. You know what those are, those little ones, they just fold out. And all she can see is everybody's rear end, their back, and their feet, and their head, you know. We're like, oh, look at that. She's like, what's that? She can't see anything unless I would pick her up and put her on my shoulders and change her perspective of what she could see. Zacchaeus is saying this. I want to see Jesus. I'm little. I can't. Everybody's too tall. I'm going to, because of my height, I'm going to change the odds, so to speak. I'm going to make something because of this. So this happened. Now, you got to understand, because of, not in spite of. So your liability, some of what we have used for ourselves as an excuse could turn out to be, how will that propel me to do something a little different? If I looked at it a little different. See, sometimes we look at ourselves as not complete. I'm not like so-and-so. I'm not like this. I don't like that. Da, 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 da. Quit comparing yourself with someone else. You are how God made you. And start being comfortable in who you are. In your own skin. God, what? And if he wants to make improvements, let him make them. You don't have to have people make them for you. Let God start helping you and start being comfortable in that. Zacchaeus is realizing, you know what? I'm not six foot tall. I don't know how tall he was, but he was evidently short enough. He couldn't see him. So he made the difference so he could get to see what he desired. Help me, somebody. If you can get to what you desire, I don't care what you have been using for an excuse. Turn it into an asset. When you can do that, you can do what others won't do. You can ignore what others think. You can take risks where others play it safe. People say, well, you don't even understand. 
Listen, I don't have to understand everything, neither do you. But, Brett, you don't know. My relationship, I want a good relationship with my dad, and I don't have one. Okay. You know, when I was growing up, I have a great father. But my father didn't have a father. And my grandpa, I love my grandpa, but I found out later my grandpa didn't spend any time with my dad. So my dad struggled in ways to connect with me. He connected in the best way he could. Are you with me? And at the time, it's hard to receive some of that because as a kid, I'm going, I want this. I need this. And he would, if he knew it, he'd want to give it, but he don't know how because he never had it given to him. And later in years, he's like, if I could change that son, I would. So you know what I did? Then again, I took that instead of going through and saying, you know what? I'm not doing that to my boys. I'm because I don't know how I'm just, you know, and you just have to deal with that. No, I'm like, this is what I wanted. I'm going to use that. It can either be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. Are you with me today? Your perspective on that and what is causing you to stay down. You got to use that man and break out of that. And so I said, I will do what I needed for myself to my boys. And my dad is very proud of me. And I love my dad. I talk to him. I talk to him every week. Talk to him every Sunday. Love my dad. And if we could go back and change things, he still did great things for me. But he didn't have all of the stuff as I wanted because he didn't have it modeled for him. If you don't have it modeled for you, then run into the arms of the best father in the universe. And start letting God show you how to do it. Whatever the lack is, whatever the margin, I didn't have this, I didn't have that, I didn't get my school paid for, I didn't get a car till then. Okay, okay, life is still moving on. What can God do with you right now? Jesus can fill all those gaps, whatever it is. Young lady, if it's my mom wasn't close to me, then let him help you. Here's number six. Your problem could be the key to your promotion. Look at David and Goliath. That's why I told you to do the sling, bang, boom handshake. I just seem to like that. But think about this. If, we would, if there would have never been a Goliath, we would not have heard about David. David, Goliath was David's launching pad to get to where David needed to be. And everybody else, and I've talked about this before, talked about how big Goliath, he's a giant, he's big, he's big, you know. And David never talked about his size. David didn't care about his size. David just talked about how big his God was. You see, and that's the thing that you got to understand. You can sit there and all day long, God, you see what's in front of me. And we, we talked about it last week. We can have, I've had so many pity parties and found out nobody comes to my pity party. Nobody RSVPs. Nobody comes. And people that I keep whining to are probably tired of hearing it. So stop. Stop telling God about your mountain. Start telling your mountain about your God. David just went out to the giant and said, yeah, you just keep flapping your jaws, big boy. But somebody, well, he didn't even say big boy. Okay, I'll just take that back. He just said, I'm going to feed you today to the birds. So he began to declare that. Find out what your giant is. What do you mean? What's your dream? What's stopping you? What have you been dreaming about? What's in front of you that's blocking your view? Time to get out of that umbrella stroller and get up on daddy's arms. Get up on daddy's shoulder. What does God want you to see that you can't see right now? Get the giant out of the way. I got people that say, I don't even know what direction to go. What's stopping you? Every time I look over here, this is stopping me. That's the direction because the giant's in front of it. 
Get it out of the way. What if I fail? We talked about that before too. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That's good, good advice. If at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. There's a lot of people who don't succeed on the first time. I trained all my kids how to water ski. Only one of them got up on the first time. I didn't get up on the first time. It was just fun watching them pull me around the lake. <laughs> Is he supposed to do that? I'm not sure. I think you're supposed to have the skis on your feet before you slide like that. I don't know. I told my one kid, this is Sam. I said, Sam, this is what you're going to do. We're going to hit the boat. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And Sam's just like, okay. First time. I'm like, oh. The other kids are like, doggone that kid. I I mean, you just got up first time. What I'm telling you is it doesn't normally, people don't always do that all the time. Sometimes you're going to have to understand if you fail, then use it. What, what, what's the block? What's the giant? There can be more than one. You've got to get to this. Sometimes you've got to take it step at a time. I, got, I have an insurance license because uh, I've helped Pastor Gary on the side. So I, I, I've done some insurance business with Forward Financial Group. But let me just tell you, you've got to take a state test. I don't like tests. Do you like tests? I'm not a fan. Well, they, they record your test, you know, so you, you, you're kind of nervous because you can't do any. There's no way. Not that I would, but they've, they've caught people cheating. They, you know, people pulling stuff out of their. They got it on tape. You're, you automatically flunk. You're, you're done. So, you know, they're going to record your whole test. So you have to, you know, and I, I had no notion. So please don't. I, I'm not taking a paper in there to cheat or anything like that. But I failed it. You have to have 70 percent to pass. 70%. First time. I mean, I failed it four times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the matter with them? I don't know. <laughs> I just like freeze. I get in there. They're asking me questions that I don't know and frankly don't care. It's kind of like I talked about Sam. Sam in homeschool. He would write stuff on paper and Kim would say, let me see your paper. And he'd just show her the paper. She'd see paper on it and, you know, writing on it. She'd be like, okay, and I'll file it. Then she, she said, the Lord told her one time, read the paper. He, he's just putting answers. He didn't even care, you know, it'd be like history. What is the, when was this, you know, and he put on there, I don't care. She'd just say, file the paper. One time, this is true, this is true. He's not here to defend himself, so let's talk about him. No, <laughs> no, he's doing a spelling test, and he kept, you know, you get your spelling done, yep. We didn't know it. He'd done the same test 13 weeks in a row. He was just holding up the same paper. Can I just say, you can only do that for so many weeks, and before mama, that storm's a-brewing. There's nothing you're going to say about that. Can you explain this, that you've just done this paper 13 times? Your party's over. Anyway, you know, and then he, he repented of that, and then he, he always did everything, you know, right up front and all that stuff. So, you know, everybody's normal. Come on. We've all got everybody in here. Their plate doesn't sit all straight on the table. You don't all look at me and judge me and like, <gasps> you know. So anyway, four times. I think I passed it on the fifth time, either on the fourth time or the fifth time. I, don't, I hate to remember it, honestly. But, you know, you had to have 70. What'd you get, Gleese? 69 it's one thing if you fail by like 30 points 
but not by one. That means one question somewhere I just didn't do. 68. I'm just like, ah. Oh. And so when I finally passed it, guess what I got? 70. And somebody's like, don't you wish you had 72 or 95? And heck no, I don't care. Get me under the door, baby. I don't want to take that test again. 70. What are you telling me that? I'm saying you might fail at something, but you got to at least have the freedom and understanding that there is a God that'll say, listen, that's a nice try. Get yourself up. Let me help you do it again. My pastor and, and our headship, I remember when, you know, I failed that, and I'm like, you know, I got a report to him. Did you pass? No, didn't pass. And I'm not happy because I didn't pass. I'm embarrassed. So he's like, well, what was your score? 68. Let me tell you something. I didn't like it. It was stupid. They asked me questions. I don't know. And he just let me go ahead and vent, and then he just turned around and smiled. What are you going to do? I ain't taking that test again. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to. And he just sat there like that, and then he'd walk away, and I'd be like, though I'd be off on having this pity party all by myself. Then I finally came back and said, I'm scheduling the test again. He'd go, okay, I just thought you need to get that out of your chest. Get that. I'm telling you, you got to understand, you've you got to know, you may have to have some successful failures. Learn from it. What did you do wrong? My mindset, I had to change. Well, what is the problem? What's, what am I doing? What giant is standing here to stop me from getting another step further? Successful people have tons of stories and things they've lived through because they failed. If you've got children, you're going to say, don't do that. I did that. Doesn't work. Don't do that. You know, and, and they, you want them to not do what you did because it'll cause pain. Long before people were successful, they probably failed at trying to get that done or, you know, how not to do it. Some of us are just successful in failing, but we're learning. It's school. Remember, I don't know, have you ever heard of Truett Cathy? He founded the largest, one of the largest chicken restaurant chains in the nation, Chick-fil-A. Truett Cathy. He started with one and now has over a thousand. He has a net worth of one point three billion dollars, all while being closed on Sundays. He's written three books and he tells how he couldn't hardly put three words together. He just had trouble even speaking, getting things out. He was tongue tied. Three weeks after he opened his first store, it burned to the ground. When he got his second store built, his brothers, who were all his partners, were all killed in a plane crash. He was told to quit. He was told to give up. But he didn't. He had a dream that he believed God put in there. He wanted to help people and he wanted to do it in the way that God had wanted him to do it. His mindset was set on the goal. Dear Lord, give us some people with some mindset set on what God has called them to do. Without liabilities, most would just settle for status quo. We just, I just want to exist. I just want to get by. That's all I need is just to get by. Really? We have a nation of get buyers. We need some people that will say, you know what? God, let me help somebody. Let me be the one that will say, I'll do it. And I could be used for your kingdom. Remember the lepers in 2 Kings? They weren't allowed in the city because they were contagious. They had leprosy. So people would throw scraps over the wall and they would eat the scraps in the dirt. And they just sat over the wall. They just waited on 
scraps to come over the wall. If, they had, if things would have never changed, they would have stayed the same, they would have probably lived out their lives and eventually just died outside the city by the wall. What, a, what an existence. And isn't that kind of, I mean, we don't have that, thank the Lord, that kind of existence, but some of us, we just, we're so dull to some of the pain we've, we've felt over and over, we just exist. We just live from one happy face to the next while we're all hiding behind something. That's what these guys were doing. The city got besieged by a king, and those inside, due to the king, were starving as well. He took everything. And so they were in turmoil, and what changed everything is the people inside now, because they didn't get anything, weren't throwing any scraps over to the lepers. They weren't throwing anything over. So the lepers now were starving. The people inside were besieged, and they were starving, and it got really bad. Turn to your neighbor and say, it got bad. Thank God, you know, we don't have what they dealt with, but this is how bad it got. They started eating donkey heads, the Bible says, and doves, or, and doves dung, which is bird poop. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they even started boiling their own children. That's nasty. The less, they got desperate. Now, these guys outside the city are now desperate. They're not eating. Nobody's throwing them any scraps. They got desperate. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Are you desperate? Have you ever felt desperate? You've heard me say this before. You deserve what you tolerate. Remember me telling you the story about Jeffrey in the library? Jeffrey, come down. Jeffrey, get Jeff, Jeff, Jeffrey, 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 Jeffrey. And finally, Jeffrey, we don't hit. We, we have to understand if we're going to tolerate stuff, we're going to have to live with it. You need sometimes to be desperate enough to say, I'm, I'm almost like Popeye now. I, that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. I'm not doing this no more. I'm done. Almost that Rocky Balboa, I'm not going down no more. Or yo, Adrian. You know, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Have you ever been desperate? So this is what the lepers said. Let's go in the enemy's camp. The guy beside him was like, dude, they'll kill us. He's like, we're dead already if we stay here. If we go in there, they don't know what's going on inside. Now listen, they just know there's no food coming. So the, this is why they said, if we go inside... They might kill us, but we might get to eat before we die. That's what they're thinking. They go inside. And now listen, every, everybody's gone. The famine helped them make a destiny decision. Some of us are rebuking and everything where we're at, maybe by our own choices, I get it. But God is directing, how many knows that all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose? Romans 8, 28. It does not say all things are good. It says they'll work together for your good. So in some of the garbage, maybe even by your own choice or your own uh, disobedience, you've got to deal with sowing and reaping. I get that, but God still loves you. And he still has a plan for you and he has a purpose for you and he wants to get you. And, and you might just have to go, listen, because now check it out. Because of the famine, they decided it changed their destiny because that famine shot them into another dimension. 
They got inside the city. Everybody's gone. There's food. There's clothes. There's spoils. There's jewels. Everything is there. And instead of becoming outcasts, they become heroes. What I'm telling you is something very simple. If you are desperate enough to go after God, if you've been like, you know what, I've heard, oh, it's time for your breakthrough. I'm telling you, there's times in my wife and my life where if somebody said, you're just about for your breakthrough, I'm going to slap them. That's not Christian, is it? But don't you have somebody, oh, God's just about to give you a breakthrough. You're just, and I get that because there's probably truth in that. But when you're in the middle of the pain, when you're on the outside of the wall and everybody on the inside seems to be having a party and you are just out here going, dear God, I just want something. That desperation may send you there. You may be like Zacchaeus and say, I'm getting me a tree. I'm going to get where I couldn't get before. I'm going to see something I couldn't see before. Make a change. Make a change. Make a change. You've got to want it. God will help you, but you have to help yourselves. You have to help yourselves. People, well, I can't find anything to do. I can't find a job. Really? Can I say there's jobs out there? Well, I can't find the one I want. What are you going to do in the meantime? Help me, somebody. You're going to sit on your rear end the whole time and complain because you ain't got nothing? Let's say, God, what do you want me to put my hand to? I'm trusting you, man. There's better things in store for me than this, but what do you want me to do right now? Man, if there's a giant in front of me, then it's time to sling, bang, boom. I'm going to get him out of the way so I can see what I need to see. I'll do whatever I got to do if that's what I got to do because that's what he wants me to do. Are you with me? I mean, do you understand? This is how quiet this is, because listen, some of us are sitting where we're sitting because that's where we've sat. We've decided that we've we've just you know what? I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to as long as we don't go against this word. We're good. It has to be biblical. I get it. I don't want you to ever do anything, but I'm saying in your situation, what's God telling you to do? Are you desperate enough to try something different? Well, Brett, I'm not comfortable. I can't find anybody that did anything for God that stayed comfortable. I, I don't think the cross was comfortable for Christ. I don't think prison was comfortable. You know, accumulatively, we just, I just heard this this morning. Paul had over six years in prison. I don't think that was comfortable. Joseph, 13 years in prison for something he didn't do. Probably not comfortable. Thrown in a pit, probably not comfortable. I'm just saying, even the woman with the issue of blood trying to get to Jesus probably wasn't comfortable because everybody knew who she was. God will help you, but you have to help yourself. The Bible says he'll bless the work of your hands. Zero plus zero is still zero. You can do the math. You can try it. And it's okay. Sometimes God, you know, he... You can be here and God can bless you and you don't have to do anything, but you've already done something in your faith and your belief system. So you've had to do something. Other times he's going to say, put your hand to this. Do that. You know, you, I told you the story in faith where I was believing God for our, uh, our hunting license and deer tags for me and Sam. Went to the bank that day. We sowed a seed, Sam and I together, just like a couple bucks or whatever. Sowed it and believed God for that money to come in. Went to the bank that day to do a deposit or whatever, and the lady in the bank approached me and said, do you still detail cars? I said, yeah, I do from time to time. Would you detail mine today? Sure. 
She gave me $80 that day. We did it that day, went and got our tags that day. Just like that. What did you have to do? I had to detail her car. I had to wash it and wax it, sweep it, clean it, and do all that stuff. So I had to put my hand to it. But the answer was there. Isn't it time you make a change? If you want to lose weight, then you've got to eat healthier and exercise. If you want to be wealthier, you have to think differently about money and handle it differently. If you want a stronger heart, you have to exercise. If you want more friends, you have to be friendly. If you want to speak a new language, then you're going to have to study. If you want a different uh, outcome, then you have to have a different course of action. If you've always done the same thing and this is what you got, you're going to have to change something to get a different result. If you have to do things different than before, if you want them to be different in the future. Let me, let me say this. Stupidity is continuously doing the same thing while praying for a different outcome and dreaming of a better life. We have to give that over to God. If we don't do anything different, it's kind of silly for us to say, if we're doing the right thing, that's great. You've got to continue to do the right thing. I understand that. But if you're doing something with no result and you've not had any result and you just have bought into the enemy keeping you complacent, isn't it time you changed? Just something small even. Something small can make a big difference in the future. Just little things can make a big difference. Just stay on course a little do this a little different than you did before. You'll be amazed. 21 days, it says to make a new habit. That's what they say. You know, our, our normal day offs are Fridays. And I try to tell my body, don't wake up at 5 in the morning. My body doesn't like to listen to that. <laughs> five, 5 in the morning, my eyes wake up and I'm like, okay, it's time to get up. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. I can sleep in a little bit today. And I have to fight with my body to stay, as, you know, I want to go to sleep. Anybody ever feel that way? I don't want to get up now. I don't want. Because it's just in that habit. Every morning gets up. Bro, what do I do? I'm here to cheer you on. I'm here to tell you there's dreams and destiny that God envisions that he's given you. Some of you just need to start giving it over to God and saying, you know what? I want this to happen. And the way that it will happen, what's in front of you? What's stopping you? Well, I'll do this as soon as I, as soon as you what? As soon as you what? How do you get the giant out of the way? How do you move that so you can see? Some of us, we just stay because it's just easier. Just easier. I want to encourage you. The enemy is going to try to keep you complacent. He's going to try to keep you just to do status quo. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. Don't tip the boat over. <laughs> rock on with your dancing. <laughs> okay. That's what the enemy's going to do. Because that you don't cause any waves that way. And he can control that. But there's greatness in this room. There's ideas and dreams in this room that have yet to change even society and the city and who knows. What if you let God show you, here's the giant, Brett, get that out of the way. Move that over here. Do this thing a little bit different. Do that. But I don't see anything. Just do that. You know, we're, we're telling uh, our kids if we've grown up, just 
Just do this. Just little things. And little things add up. Did you know that? Let's let's just talk for just a second and then I'll close. If you're just talking in uh, in exercise or 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 weight loss, if you're recording all your activity. Little things add up. Oh, you did all that. Or how about I found this out if you you know before if you taste and snack a lot in your meals as you're making them. We don't like to count those, do we? But those actually could add up if you don't. You know. What I'm saying is if we would do little things for God that he shows you make a big difference. And it's amazing when you start seeing progress and you start seeing breakthrough. I'm going to talk to you next week about the faith zone. We're going to we're going to talk about breaking out almost before we can break through. Because we can all hear everybody all day long. Oh, you need a breakthrough. Your breakthrough's coming. And I get that. And there's probably truth in that. But God, show me what I can do to do that. How do I do that? I don't want to just hear about it. How do I experience that? And I can be a, I can have my hand in that so that I know, oh my gosh, Lord, you are, woo, this is awesome. What happens if we all get fired up? What happens if we all start experiencing, man, God's doing this in my life. What happens when we start getting passionate about the things of God? What happens when God starts doing exactly what the kingdom says? What happens when someone comes up and says, hey, will you pray for this and you pray for it and God heals it right in front of you? What happens? Changes everything. What happens if you told your kids you pray this and this will start happening? You keep a journal and they can check it off because it's happening. It's a game changer, friends. It's a game changer. You can look at the giant and say, today, my turn. You're going down. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?